your heart beats passionately for people who have wandered far from God, this series, Eats with Sinners, explores the characteristics of Jesus everyone desires. Good morning. Good. Come on, you do better than that. Come on, you just sang really good. Good morning. All right, all right. Uh, just thank the worship team for all their work, and thank you uh, for just participating. Isn't it great to praise God? I think it's wonderful. Uh, we are in this series. If you're just checking in with us, if this is the first time you've been here, welcome. We're in this series called Eats with Sinners, and we're looking at Jesus who um, attracted people to himself with certain characteristics that we want to uh, explore through the Gospel of Luke. So as we're going through Luke, not necessarily chapter by chapter, but uh, thematically, we're looking at uh, Jesus, the model for every person. He's, the, he's, he's what we want to become as humans. Uh, he demonstrates uh, what it means to be a child of God, to be uh, engaged in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so we are looking at the characteristics that drew people to Him and then we're trying to apply those into our own life so that we can become better humans. Isn't that a great thing? Doesn't the world need some better humans? Well, uh, it's going to happen through the church. And that just sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Um, but anyway, uh, we're not actually creating them. God's doing a transformation. Uh, but uh, what we looked at, we started out with Jesus' integrity as he was tempted in the, in the wilderness. And uh, he maintained his holiness through all that temptation. Then we looked at his suffering for others. And then we talked about his epic mission. People are looking for purpose in life. Like, what's my purpose in life? Well, I can tell you, it's found in Jesus Christ. It's to follow him. That's the purpose for every human. Uh, and then uh, we looked at his table fellowship that broke all the rules. Jesus ate with sinners. And he, he had fellowship with people no one else would because they were prostitutes or they were a tax collectors, or Jesus was with people no one else would be with. And then we looked at his tolerance, that he was invited to this one guy's house, and this guy was a re religious guy, he was a, a Pharisee, and uh, Jesus tolerated him, and he also tolerated the woman washing his feet with her tears. He had tolerance so that he could show grace and truth to people who were distant from God. And then uh, we looked at his resolve that last week we talked about Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. That Jesus dying on a cross wasn't a mistake. It wasn't, because the, it wasn't because the Jews got the upper hand. It was intended from the very beginning. Actually, before the foundations of the world, God had a plan and a man to save mankind. And so Jesus is fulfilling that. Uh, and today we're going to talk about this word ambassador, that ambassador is what Jesus calls all his followers to, to be. Now, there's been a lot of talk in recent weeks and months about uh, North Korea and their nuclearization program and how that's a threat to different parts of the world. And, and, and recently, our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has uh, been an ambassador, if you will, for the United States, uh, setting the table for negotiations about denuclearization of North Korea and how that would make the world feel like a safe place. And so uh, he's a very gifted man, very, very learned man, and, and apparently he's done a good job in, in, in setting the stage for peace talks, right? And everybody in the world would want that because nobody wants to see a war. Nobody wants to see those types of things take place. 
So, uh, you know, it's real important that an ambassador's role, that they are, you know, prepared, that they're, uh, they go there, they do the best job possible, they, they're taking these two nations that are at odds with one another, they're, they're taking the two kingdoms, if you will, at odds with one another, and they're building a bridge uh, in, in, into the, into, uh, to these two groups so that, the, so that peace might occur. But what if, what if Pompeo blew it? What if he messed up? What if he went over there and, 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 and just some terrible like, thing you know, he did, some rudeness or whatever, and, and, just, and then no talks, and then no discussion, and then no peace? I mean, we're putting a lot of hope on these ambassadors working these things out for the benefit for all mankind that's on the earth right now. Uh, we're also, uh, what if we didn't have an ambassador? What if we had nobody prepared to go or nobody willing to go or there were no open uh, opportunities for that? Then, then these, these two kingdoms, these two nations, uh, the world remains separate, isolated, and more, more animosity grows and more enmity grows between these two groups. So we can see that ambassadors play a huge role. Now, for us today, a definition of an ambassador is this, one who represents Jesus Christ everywhere they go. If you believe in Jesus, if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, then you are an ambassador for Christ, that you represent Him. Believe it or not, sometimes you're the only person that another person will, will, will get to know who knows Jesus. I mean, most of the world does not know Jesus. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I, there's a lot of people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They might know of the name, but still, there's millions of people who've never even heard the name, and and so 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 each one of us need to like consider that when we're interacting with another person, when there's an exchange of dialogue, when there's an exchange of whatever, uh, we have to remind ourselves: okay, I am representing Jesus in this moment. I am a representative of Him, and if they if they see Jesus in me, when you know that's a great thing. So I just let me ask you a question. Who was the first person that represented Jesus to you? Who was your first ambassador? Who was the first person that entered your life and had a conversation about Jesus or God or, you know, whatever, something, some faith dialogue? For me, I, I had parents that were godly, and, and they, you know, they tried to teach us knucklehead, right? But then I grew up. I went the wrong direction. Um, some of you had similar stories. And when I was in my late, later 20s, I was introduced to Jesus once again by a guy named Tommy, and Tommy was a mechanic, and Tommy looked at me, and he knew that this young dad and this young husband needed a mentor, and so he would invite me to his garage to work with him, and we would work on the diff his different customers, uh, the vehicles they brought in, and he paid me way more than I was worth, and, but here's what I saw in Tommy. I didn't, I didn't see any cussing. I always saw him dealt fairly with customers. He always would take time to help someone who was in really need, and he'd do it for free, and we would do it for free. And, and, in other words, like, he showed me Jesus, and then he invited me to church. And when I came, he, you know, he, he, he began to demonstrate kindness and conversation with me. Then one day, I was invited to his home. See, Tommy wasn't always a Christian. Uh, Tommy, uh, when, I, when I first met him, uh, I saw these trophies on the wall, and he had built these like award-winning choppers and, and award-winning customized vans. I don't know if any guys or girls remember back in the day when, you know, back in the 70s, and you had these vans, and you had big murals on them. Well, 
uh, he had this one showstopper van that had a very scantily clad woman airbrushed on the side of this big, long Dodge van, and that was what he drove to church for the first time. Yeah, and everybody came out of the church and said, who comes to church today? And, uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but, but anyway, I, I'm going somewhere with this. I, I go into Tommy's house, and um, there's three pictures of his, of his daughters, but I have only met two of his daughters. And I said, who's this daughter? And she said, well, about four years ago, she got up, was going to school, had a brain aneurysm, and died by lunchtime. And he said, that event changed my whole life. It rocked his world. And he gave his life to Christ through that experience because he was so angry at God and, and so, so broken. But he found Jesus through all of that. And some of you have similar stories. You know where Tommy was. So I don't know who your ambassador has been, but they, can't, they come in all shapes and sizes, you know. They, they, they talk differently, they look differently, but they all have Jesus within them, and they're sharing Jesus wherever they go. That's an ambassador. And so where we were at last week was Luke chapter 9. Now we're in Luke chapter 10. This is what they teach at Bible college, that 10 comes after 9. And so uh, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples to declare the gospel uh, that he's coming, that Jesus is about to arrive and people get ready. You know, people get ready, get ready, Jesus is coming. And, and, and now in Luke chapter 10, Jesus steps it up. Jesus is going to send out 70 ambassadors to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom, that Jesus is coming. And so uh, we're going to begin reading then in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So these ambassadors are showing up in these towns, and they're saying, hey, Jesus is coming. He's going to talk about the kingdom. This is going to be amazing. You don't want to miss this. You want to be prepared. Now, why 70? Well, some passages like this one says 72. It, it doesn't make any difference in, uh, in, in Jewish literature. These types of numbers are exchanged. What is being meant here is that this is a referral to Genesis chapter 10. So if you're just checking into the gospel story, your first time to church, let me explain. In the New Testament, we have all these writings about who Jesus is. In the Old Testament, we have all these writings about Israel and that nation, and Jesus is going to come forth out of that Israel nation. But back in Genesis chapter 10, before there ever was an Israel, there was a guy named Noah. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And from his three sons come all these nations that, that from, the, from those three people groups will come all of the people groups. And so this, if we go to Genesis chapter 10, some of your Bibles will say the table of nations. This is what uh, Jesus is referring to. This is what Luke is recording because, see, Luke did not know, he didn't see Jesus face to face. Luke, he comes along after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension to heaven, and he starts taking all these eyewitness accounts of Jesus and recording them in an orderly manner so that others like us might have a written version of Jesus' life. And so he's... See what Luke is doing. He's going to write another book called the Gospel. I mean, uh, the, the uh, Book of Acts. And in the Book of Acts, it's talking about this church going out into all the known world. The church is going out to, to out throughout the Roman Empire and into India and into China. And the church is going out and and it's going to these places to all these nations. And so, so this is this story is unique to Luke. And so Genesis chapter ten. 
is, is what's being referred to in the 70. This is a foreshadowing of the gospel going to all people groups. Now, here's what you need to understand. The gospel of Jesus Christ is radically inclusive. That you might think, well, that person will never know Jesus. These people will never. Yes, from the very beginning, it was designed that every people group would come to know the gospel, would know Jesus, and everybody has a seat at the table. I mean, it's this radically inclusive kingdom of God. And Jesus, see, Jesus always had people on his mind. He was always thinking about people who needed to hear and know that they were created by God, that that the Father wanted to have a relationship with. He's always thinking about people, and so should we. Like, we get wrapped up in thinking about a lot of things. Where we're going to lunch? Some of you are already thinking about that. Now you're thinking about it because I said it, right? And you got a roast in the oven, you know, and you're like, I got to be home with such a... Or somebody's like, hey, uh, I'm sticking around because after church, they're having the holy bird. Right now, I'm getting the holy word. After church, we're having the holy bird. And so we're having chicken downstairs, right? And some of you are like, what's he talking about? Just hang around. You'll figure it out. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is, like, you and I, we get wrapped up in talking about things that, that really, you know, they'll work themselves out. People is what matters. People. Souls. Eternity. These types of things matter. And so Jesus always had people on his mind. Listen to what he prays in the next verse. He says, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Such an encouraging statement. But uh, in in this passage, Jesus says, the harvest means people who don't know Jesus need to come to know who Jesus is. And so there are people ripe, ready to hear, to believe, people who are, who are ready to be persuaded to, to accept who Jesus is and to go for it and to dive, you know, in the deep end. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And Jesus says, there's not enough people doing this. So pray that God will do this. If you don't pray this prayer that Jesus is instructing us to pray, start praying this prayer. Ask God to raise up more workers to go out and share the good news, to be ambassadors for him. And so uh, he says, uh, he he wants us to understand that that it's going to be a dangerous mission because those ambassadors will be like lambs among wolves. Have you ever been around a lamb? Like, I wasn't until not too long ago, just got up close with a lamb. They are just meat biscuits for wolves. I mean, they have no defense mechanisms. They don't have claws. They don't have rockets. They don't, they don't carry a sidearm. They have nothing. They just walk around, and they're stupid. And Jesus is saying, okay, you stupid little meat biscuits. There's going to be wolves that are going to try to eat you out there, right? Uh, no, that's not what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, there's a risk about this. But get this. Jesus says the risk is worth it. You know why? Because you're worth it. Because I'm worth it. People are worth it. People are risk losing your lives. If you've ever, if you've ever been in, in the medical field or law enforcement or you're a counselor, you're like, you know what's at stake in that conversation, in that operation, in that procedure. You know what's at stake, that there's a life held in the balance in this moment. And so it's worth it. And, and then, then he says, God's going to supply your needs. He says, do not take purse or bag or sandals. 
And do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. So there's a couple things going on here. This is a, a reference back to a big story in the Old Testament called the Exodus, where God's people were brought out of Egypt. And for 40 years, they wandered in the desert, and their shoes did not wear out. And they did not need to go plant food because it fell from heaven. And they didn't run out of water because it came out of rocks. Like Jesus says, God will supply what you need as, if you are declaring, hey, I am his ambassador. Wherever I go, I'm carrying Jesus with me. God says, I will provide what you need. And then he says, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves wages. Do not move around from house to house. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying this, that you're going to go to some Gentile cities, and they're going to have bacon. And this is what ended the empire of Israel. They tasted bacon, and it was delicious, and it ought to be on everything. And I hope there's some downstairs, some bacon, because you can't put enough bacon on salad. Until, until, if you have a salad... And you cannot see the lettuce because of the bacon chips on there. You've prepared it correctly. And so, so this, this has nothing to do with anything. It's just me, me trying to get your attention back. Listen, they're going to eat Gentile food, right? And so he says, let your peace rest on them. In other words, shalom. So, so it was a blessing to be blessed by one sent out from the Lord. And if they accept that, if, the, if there's a person of peace there, they will be blessed. If not, that blessing will come back to you. They won't receive it. In other words, their house will stay in opposition to God. And then he says, when you enter a town and, and you are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we will wipe off our feet, right? As a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. You had an opportunity and you rejected it. This is what Jesus is saying. I tell you, it will be more bearable on, on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And so... You're like, what do these towns mean? What is all this about? So all of these towns are referred to in the Old Testament. All of these towns, whether it would be Sodom and Gomorrah or Chorazin or, or, or uh, I'm sorry, or Tyre, uh, they were towns that were, would not repent. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet said, turn from that, turn from that. That's a destructive lifestyle. That's sin. That's abhorrent. Don't do that to your children. They would not do it. They kept doing it, and God brought judgment upon them. But they had not met Jesus. They had not seen the miracles like Jesus was performing. They did not know Messiah had arrived. These towns, uh, Chorazin and Bethsaida, they see Jesus. They hear about him. They could walk up and say, oh, you're, you're God. And, and, and they could see him. And yet they are resisting hearing the gospel. And they're saying, man, it's going to be way better for the people in the Old Testament than it will be for you all because you've rejected the very Son of God. Uh, then he says, uh, oh yeah, moving on. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will 
harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, it's a big passage. This is God's word today. This is his revelation for us. We're going to try to make some more application, but what we need to see here is that Jesus has these ambassadors on a mission, and their mission has three, involves three different things. First, the ambassador's mission will be to persuade people to believe the gospel, and that is what I'm doing here today. That's what we're trying to do. Well, like when we talk to people about spiritual things, we're trying to persuade them to come to a belief in who Jesus is and to turn over the authority that they have in their life to submit to the authority of Jesus because that's the best way to live. That is the best way to live. You cannot come up with a better way to live than the way Jesus lived. We're trying to persuade people to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And then they will not only persuade, but they will liberate people from uh, these people's souls from what's enslaving them, and that's demonic oppression. And so if you, if you read the Gospel of Mark, if you read other places in the Gospels, you'll see a lot of times where Jesus is casting out demons. And, and, and one time he takes demons and he puts them in a bunch of pigs. And we call that passage of Scripture when pigs fly, and they don't fly very well. They jumped off a cliff and they splattered. And, uh, and it was a terrible loss of bacon for that day. But, no, I'm just joking. So, so anyway, uh, but, but people are under this spiritual oppression. So, so you read the paper and you're like, I can't believe that guy did that to that person. Or I can't believe this, this genocide occurred. Or I can't believe that they would do these types of things. You know, they would have this on their computer and they would, they would steal that. And I'll tell you what it is. It's the domain of darkness that a person is existing in. And when you live in darkness... When you resist the light, these are the types of things that you do. And so they're coming there and they're bringing the gospel and they're saying, here's a new way to live. Here's a new way to process what's going on around you. Here's what you need to understand. The gospel will bring you the direction that you so desperately need in your life, liberating people from what's enslaving them. And then they will mend people. I mean, there are separated families, separated because of, you know, unforgiveness or separated because of this oppression or separated because of past offenses and they're bringing this this teaching of forgiveness and grace and 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 so they're mending families back together that's what the ambassador does this is the mission of the church i absolutely love the church where would this place this area be if cornerstone wasn't here well we wouldn't be sitting here we wouldn't be doing like coming up Compassion Weekend where people are going out and trying to help people with, you know, acts of love and grace. And it, this wouldn't be going on. Children would not be being educated. You wouldn't be here the gospel explained. There's all kinds of things. Elizabeth Tucker coming back from mercy ships at Floating Hospital off the west coast of Africa. You know, those things wouldn't be taking place. Do you understand that the most important thing that you and I do is interact with the Lord's church and his mission? That as ambassadors, we are bringing good news and hope to people who are hopeless and have heard foul news and untruth for so long that this is the mission of the church. Don't you love the church? Yeah, somebody said amen. I want to try it one more time. Don't you love the church? Oh, yeah. Where's my drummer at? Anyway, uh, he's not on the stage. All right, so, so anyway, where would, you, where, would your, where would your marriage be if an ambassador hadn't showed up and began to talk to you about love and grace? Where would your addicted loved one be without an ambassador showing up and saying, hey, I, I, I have some, some things that might help break those chains of addiction. Let's talk about it. 
where, where would we be without somebody representing Jesus to us? Well, I'll tell you what, we'd be lost, hopeless. We treat the church because we live in America. We treat the church like, oh, yeah, got time for church today. But you got to understand, it's the most essential thing in a person's life to be in a community of faith and to have brothers and sisters around them helping them through life. If you are isolated, you're a poor soul. Get connected, right? And so next, uh, the ambassadors have a message. All right, I got to move on. Um, There are a number of places that Jesus says something like this. One of them is in Mark. He says, go into all the world, go everywhere, and announce the message of the good news to one and all. Wherever you go, talk about me. Do things in my name. Wherever you go, carry the good news. Wherever you go, give them hope. Wherever you go. And so Jesus is telling all of his followers, wherever you go, talk about me. I have a few of these crosses left from Passover. And we handed these out. I know some of you might still have yours. I have a few left. And like when, I, when I'm just around town and I go, you know, I'm going somewhere, like it might be in McDonald's, it might be you know, the DMV or whatever, and, and I'm just having a conversation and it, it kind of turns spiritual or, time, you know, so I can tell there's hardship in that person's life. I give them one of these crosses. I mean, I don't know what they do with it, but I'm like, I just, somehow you have to understand that Jesus and his cross and his resurrection change everything. Like, it changes everything. It changes the way we date, the way we marry, the way we raise our kids, the way we handle our money, the cars we drive. Motorcycles we ride because Jesus rides a Harley. But, but anyway, <laughs> it, the, it changes everything. And so, so, so share this good news. Now, this word gospel, right? So if this is the first time you're at church, you hear like gospel. Well, I hear that word a lot. What's it mean? Well, it wasn't unique to the church. See, the word gospel was part of the Greek language for a long time. And, and, and the word gospel was what meant, meant that there was this history-changing event that had taken place, and people should respond to it. One of the times it's used in ancient Greek literature, this is before Jesus, for the church, uh, when Caesar Augustus took the throne of Rome, there was a gospel sent out. And so these runners, these heralds, would, would, they would go out and they would say, Caesar Augustus has taken the throne, or this is the gospel of Caesar Augustus. This, this is the gospel. Make, make change in your life. There's a new emperor. There's a new big man on campus. You know, everything's going to be different from now on. But one of the most famous uh, moments of the word gospel occurs uh, back around 490 BC in the Battle of Marathon. And so what happened was the Persians were invading the Greek Empire, and they were headed to Athens, which is in the lower part of that map that you're looking at. And so, uh, uh, but the battlefield is at Marathon, and so the Persians are coming down, and the Athenian, their army, they're, they're, they're getting ready to war, rage uh, war, and, and, and the, uh, the Athenians back home, they, they think they're going to lose, because the Persians are a big empire, big army, and this is a history-changing moment, right? Because we know the Greeks are going to take over, but... But everyone thinks they're going to lose, and so they, they were afraid of panic in the city of Athens. So what happens, the Persians lose. The Athenians won, and they, they pick one guy to run back with the gospel. And he's going to run 22 and a half miles from Marathon back to Athens. That's where we get our distance for a marathon, right? And this one runner, he's going to run back, and he's going to declare, uh, Rejoice! We've triumphed! 
This is the gospel. Rejoice. We've triumphed. I have a gospel. I have, I have a history-changing event. And so that's where, we get, that's where the word gospel, that's its context before it's used in the church. And so, so this is interesting. Actually, some historians have uncovered some sketches and paintings of that runner. Because see, when that runner came back, he dropped dead in the streets of, of Athens. But we happen to have a picture of him. There he is. And... <laughs> What a stride. It's actually not the guy. It's our worship leader, David, who's allowed me to use his picture today. Well, I didn't even ask him. Uh, so there'll be a staff meeting discussion, I'm sure. But, uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, well, I'll just move on. Okay, so, so Jesus, Jesus witnessed a history-changing event. Did you hear me when I read it in Luke chapter 10 today? Jesus says, I'll give you a history-changing event. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. There's a history-changing event. You guys think that the dark's going to win. You think that evil's going to win. You think the drug dealers are going to win. You think that um, you know uh, evil and, and pornography and sex trafficking and and, and, you know, you think all these terrible things that destroy people's lives are win. I've got news for you. Jesus, he saw Satan fall. And he rises. He stomps Satan's head. And Jesus says, I'll give you a life-changing gospel. Here it is. Satan falls, I win. There's one group that is victorious in the history of mankind. That's the local church. That church at Fifth and Ordinary, where goofy people like you and I show up. Not, I'm not trying to offend you, but if I have, okay. But anyway, when we show up, we're just ordinary people in a supernatural organization called the local church, and it wins. No other organization wins. Government doesn't win. Education doesn't win. It's the church that wins because Jesus has conquered. He's already been victorious over death, and what we are experiencing is a mop-up. Look, it's only a demon. It's only an addiction. It's only a separation between you and mom or husband and wife. It's, that's all it is. You take grace and you take truth and everything will be mended. Look, we're walking around defeated. Don't live defeated. I know you got problems. I got them too. But there is a victory that is found in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. And that's what we, we, we grab a hold of that when life is crushing in us. And we're saying, it might look dark right now, but, but there's a victory. All right, so i got to move ahead. The ambassador's motivation. They come back and they're going, hey, those demons, they run around like scaredy cats away from us. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that the name, your names are written in heaven. Here's what Jesus says. Look, you, you think you having a little power over these things, which comes from me anyway. You, you think that's special? Here's what's special. You have a hope and a joy that, that's anchored in heaven. You have a relationship with the Father. That, that's what you need to be celebrating. That's the good news. Look, here's what Jesus is saying. Do not measure yourselves by your performance. Because you will never perform to the standards you hope to. Measure yourself by your identity in Christ. That's what you measure. 
we, we, don't you struggle sometimes as an ambassador? I'm listening to this book by Jared Wilson called The Imperfect Disciple, and he, he talks about growing up in church, and they had these tracks. Do you remember the tracks? You know, little guy falling into hell, and it says, no Jesus, and the sinner's prayer. But you remember those things? I don't know if you're, maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe we're beyond that. Do you remember cassette tapes? Okay, you might remember tracks. But anyway, but anyway, he, he was taught in church that, you know, you hand these tracks out to people. So he walked home with the same guy uh, every day for four years while he was in high school. They lived, in the same, lived across from each other. And this guy didn't go to church. And, and every week he'd come back and he'd feel guilty. He'd feel terribly guilty about not putting this track in their hand. He's like, oh, Lord, give me the courage to put this track into my buddy's hand. And finally, like the last year they're going to high school, he, he gets the courage up and he says, here, take this and read that. And then he walks away and like, wow, what a great presentation of the gospel. You know, uh, failed miserably. And, and sometimes we think we fail miserably, but here's, here's what I'm saying. Don't worry about what to take. Don't worry about what to say. Just love people. And remind yourself about the joy you have in being in relationship with the Father, and you want them to have the same. Look, it'll work out. You just love people like Jesus loved people. Just try to be somewhat of a representation the best that you possibly can, and don't worry about getting it all right. You know, we're all imperfect, but we have... Uh, Jesus doing the heavy lifting and these, and these opportunities, you're like, I don't know if I can talk to him about that. Don't worry about that. Just say, you know, I love you in Christ and I, and I will pray for you and just pray for him. Help Joe, you know, with his whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. But anyway, uh, there is so much that we need to think about when it comes to being an ambassador. And, and that song, I Can Only Imagine, right? I mean, it's been a movie now, you know, and it tells a story about that. And, you know, surrounded by your glory, what, you know, and, and it talks about heaven and, it, like, you know, think about what we're inviting people to. We're inviting them, one, to liberate them out of the mess they're in, to mend broken relationships, to give them an opportunity to, to be persuaded to believe, Right? And, and then we're saying, like, look, the retirement plan is out of this world. You won't believe it. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Like, what? This is good news. Don't you want to talk about it? Don't you want to share it? Don't you want to persuade people to believe this? And so uh, it's so important that you and I understand through the Apostle Paul that we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making this appeal through us, and he is. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's our gospel. Here's our life-changing event. Here's what the, if you say, well, what does the word gospel mean? Verse 21, God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Sin destroys us. If we're participating in sin, you have no hope. No hope. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will wreck everything in your life. It will wreck your marriage. It will wreck your kids. It will wreck you. 
And Jesus says, I'll take the train wreck of your life on me. In exchange, I'll give you my perfect life. That's the deal. And how does that happen? By faith. Like, what's the process? Like, okay, that seems too easy. Well, it's not meant to be hard. It's not meant to be confusing. It's meant to declare that God wants a relationship with us, and He's willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. We are ambassadors. This is our message. This is the hope that we have for the world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to just unpack a little bit of what the Scripture holds for us. And I don't know where people are at. Uh, You do. You know exactly where our minds and hearts are right now. You are speaking into our life right now. And Father, I just ask that you would continue to urge us, prompt us to take one step forward in our journey with you. Whatever that step might be, Father, help us to to do so by faith. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.